everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In the Arena by Isabel Kuhn with permission of OMF International. And we are in Chapter 3, Secret Choices. A platform is a very public thing. A secret choice is an extremely private, invisible thing. How then can we think of the two together? How can there be a platform of secret choice? Well, the theatron a 1 Corinthians 4.9 is any situation in which the child of God has a struggle. And a great many of these the world never sees nor even learns about. Yet the effect of that struggle often becomes noticeable to men. Your father who sees what is in secret will reward you. Works in more matters than almsgiving. The incident to be mentioned in this chapter will reveal the compatibility of this chapter's title when the situation is in the hand of the Lord. Again, we return to the days of Moody Bible Institute. I find myself one unit of a large student body, including the evening school. I believe the student body numbered 1,000. I was astonished to find that among all those young people gathered together at that time to study his word and to train for his service, only about a 100 of them had foreign service in mind. To me, it was incomprehensible, knowing that only a small percentage of those who offer themselves for the foreign field are accepted to go. I felt that every young Christian should at least offer to be a foreign missionary, give the Lord a chance to say if he wanted him there or or at home. As in the case of Marjorie Harrison, many earnest souls must stay home. They are enough to minister to the home needs. It would be so easy for the Lord to keep them at home, but it is impossible for the Lord to push any out. He has made this rule for himself, and he will compel no man's love or obedience. How can you know if he does not want you in this far-flung battle line if you do not offer? I still believe that this is a reasonable attitude to take. Though I found a meager hundred fellow students who were like-minded with me in this matter, I did find very choice souls among them. I received more blessing through the devotion and fire of my fellow students at Moody than I ever did through my studies. I thank God for them. After graduation, we scattered, and many I did not see again for twenty or thirty years. But when we did meet, what a joy to find their passion for Christ as fervent as in the student days. And what a thrill to hear from their lips that the dreams of the student days had been fulfilled by a gentle, kind master. He had inspired our dreams, and his callings had been justified. But the institute schedule was a busy one, especially for us who had to work our way through. There came a day when the president of our student volunteer band came to me, exercised in soul. I was scheduled to speak at the next meeting, and he had a burden to lay upon my heart. It's so easy with required hours of Bible reading to let one's own devotional time slip, and it eventually leads to the stillness of soul. I feel that some of us are still in the danger of drifting into empty form of relationship to him, of missing the vital personal torch each day. Will you pray, Isabel, and ask the Lord for a solution, and give us a talk for the next meeting? I accepted the burden and waited on the Lord. I had felt that danger myself. For certain classes, we had to read a book of the Bible through, perhaps several times, or I read it again for quiet time, especially when leisure hours were at a premium. But reading the scriptures for a technical grasp, for general argument in a book, and reading it as in the Lord's presence, asking him to speak a word on which to lean that day, these are two different things. One was no substitute for the other. Yet I knew also that some students were trying to let classwork reading do for personal quiet time. Deadness of soul was inevitable. As I prayed about it, I felt a need to gird up my loins and form a habit of putting the Lord first each day. 
Habit can be a wonderful ally, but it can also be a formidable foe. We ourselves can choose what kind of habits to form. My attention was drawn to Second Chronicles 29.11. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you, or me, to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Using this text as an exhortation, I suggested our making a covenant with the Lord to spend one hour a day for about a year in the Lord's presence, in prayer or reading the word. The purpose was to form the habit of putting God in the center of our day and fitting the work of life around Him, rather than letting the day's business occupy the central place and trying to fix a quiet time with the Lord somewhere shoved into an odd corner or leisure moment. I had drawn up a paper with the above text and covenant promise and asked how many would sign it with me. I suggested we meet together once a month to confess any failures and to worship the Lord together. It was a very small meeting as it happened, and only nine signed that original covenant. I still have that piece of paper, and the reader will be interested to know that one of the nine names was John B. Kuhn. It was never my thought that this covenant become law. My thought was merely deliberately to form a habit which would allow the Lord to speak personally to us all the days of our life. Although only nine signed on that first day, somehow news of it spread and others began to join. Then it seems as if some human beings always have to go to extremes. Some signed a covenant binding them to his hour a day for life. I did not sign it. What about days of illness or emergency when it might be impossible to keep an hour quietly? There's no need to vow. There was only a need to form a habit of putting God first. The hour we agreed would be broken up into two half-hour periods or any division needed. The Lord blessed us. Our monthly prayer meetings to testify and encourage one another became times of wonderful fellowship in the Lord. They grew and grew in numbers. Testimonies were often funny. One fellow at a summer camp in desperation got into a canoe and pushed out into the middle of the lake and had a blessed time. And so on. Needless to say, we kindled one another. Ten years later, on our first furlough, we visited the Institute and found that this prayer group was still going on though no one remembered when it got started or what was the origin. We did not enlighten them, but gloried in the work of the Spirit. To keep my hour-a-day required planning, a half-past six each morning I was due in the dining room to set tables. I tried getting up at five, but my health began to fail. After various efforts, I found that I could maintain normal weight if I rose at half-past five. But go where to be alone? My roommate slept through until nearly breakfast time and might resent a light at such an early hour. The only place I could find where I would disturb no one was in the cleaning closet. So each morning I stole down the hall, entered the closet, turned the scrub pail upside down and sat on it. And with mops and dust rags hanging around my head, I spent a precious half hour with the master. The other half hour had to be found at the end of the day. This is the background of my platform of secret choices. It was the evening of the junior-senior party, and I was a junior and had been asked to lead the devotional with which all such parties closed. I was also on the program as Grandma in the Dutch scene, off and on all through the banquet. The week before had been so full of work and study that I had not one moment to sit down and prepare a devotional. Work in the restaurant had delayed me, and I had arrived at the supper half hour, hungry, exhausted, and without any devotional prepared. Besides this, I still had a half hour due on my quiet time. After the party, we juniors had to clean up, and I would not be able to get to my room till midnight. The day would be gone. Here was my platform of secret choices. That supper half hour. Number one, 
Should I go down and eat my supper? Two, should I skip supper and prepare the devotional message? Three, should I put God first and give that half hour to Him? The supper bell rang and my roommate left for the dinner room. I stood there for a moment irresolvent, then throwing myself on my knees by my bedside, I sobbed in a whisper, Oh Lord, I choose you. Then again, as I just lay there in his presence, too weary to form words, the sense of his presence filled the room. As before, the weariness and the faintness all left me. I felt relaxed, refreshed, and bathed in his love. As I half knelt, half laid there, saying nothing, and just loving him, drinking in his tenderness, he spoke to me. Quietly, but point by point, he outlined the devotional message I needed to close that evening's program. It was un unforgettable experience and unforgettable lesson putting him first always pays in the exaltation of that wonder i ran down to the banquet hall or rather the hall behind it slipped into my costume and went through the program at the end when the devotional message was needed i gave very simply what he told me during the supper hour such a quiet hush came over that festive scene that i knew he had spoken and i was content more than 20 years passed. I was home on furlough and visiting the Institute. It was a day of the junior-senior party, and a group of us were reminiscing. One junior-senior party always stands out in my memory, said one. I forget who led it, but it was a Dutch scene, and the devotional, bless my soul, I'll never forget it. She had indicated the date, so I knew. I was thrilled through and through. Of course, I did not spoil it by telling her who led that devotional. In God's perfect workings, the instrument is forgotten. It is the blessing of himself that is remembered. This is how secret choices can become public. The choice and the struggle are not publicized, but the release of his resurrection power, which comes to you on each platform, is felt by others. In that sense, there is an audience. We may never know who this audience might be, but we do know that he gives us far more than we deserve. Next time will be Chapter 4, Crossed Nature. I love you. I'm praying for you. Bye-bye for now.